Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand a little more about how the other side thinks. This episode is sponsored by ProPricer, the number one proposal pricing and cost analysis software used by federal agencies and government contractors. Learn more by visiting ProPricer.com slash podcast. ProPricer is not just for defense contractors. There's a government edition too. Man, when I was a contracting officer, I wish I had a tool like this. It would have saved me so much time and effort trying to navigate Excel. ProPricer's Government Edition can really simplify your agency's cost analysis process. In just a few clicks, you can seamlessly import contractor cost data into a secure database environment, create baseline independent government cost estimates, and compare data across multiple cost proposals. Yes, a contracting officer, I spent way too much time with my, either myself or my contract specialist trying to make sense out of the different proposals, and this would have simplified that. ProPricer includes lots of must-have features like offer cost normalizing, custom reporting, what-if analysis, and ProPricer is on the GSA schedule, so it's really easy to acquire. Find out how ProPricer can help your government organization by visiting ProPricer.com slash podcast. The topic today is negotiations in what I think will be the first in many episodes on this subject. Let's get started. Surprisingly, we haven't actually talked about negotiations yet. It's a huge topic. And, and that's part of the reason we haven't is that it's just it's so complex and didn't know where to start. And it's, it's a really big topic to cram into, you know, less than a half an hour. <laughs> it's an entire industry, really. So that be, after being daunted for a couple years by how many things there are to talk about with negotiations – this is this is our agreement that let's just start talking about it, and it might be several episodes, but start with an overview of what negotiations are and could be rather than try to get through everything about negotiations in one shot. Before we start, though, it's time to give thanks, as usual. And say thanks to Judy Bratt for a five-star review on iTunes. Yeah, Judy says... Podcast hosts Kevin and Paul give listeners a lively understanding of what the world looks like from a contracting officer's point of view. The podcast is a great length, chose just enough content, and was well-organized. And she calls it, I love this, she calls it a high-value learning tool. That, Thanks, that is- Judy. <laughs> That's awesome. So how to define negotiations? Negotiation appears in the FAR. It's all over the place. Yeah, it's in FAR Part 5, FAR Part 49, FAR Part 22, FAR Part 27. I mean, it's it's all over. But funny enough, it's not actually defined in FAR Part 2. <laughs> definition. So we, got, we have our own definition, which is it's a discussion intended to produce a settlement or, or agreement or, or agreement of some sort. So the idea is, you know, let's make a deal, is that your, your expectation is you're going to end up somewhere with an agreement. Okay, it's time for a new segment in podcast world. This is history time. <laughs> Go, Kevin. Yeah, mostly because I'm a, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of historical business. And so the example is from Mary Parker Follett. Uh, she lived from, eight, nine, get this, 1865 to 1933. And she, in the 20s and 30s, she was a very big part of uh, negotiations between labor and management. And so to give her credit, her innovative approach was to approach negotiations from two different places, integration and creativity. And so integration is looking at this 
at the problem you're trying to solve through negotiations. This is our problem, not yours and mine. We have to collectively integrate our solution. And then creativity is, again, how does this serve us? Look at it from a different angle so that it serves us. She's also credited with creating the phrase win-win, which, again, 100 years ago, <laughs> she came up with this, right? And so her whole concept was this idea of you need to develop an integrated solution rather than simply compromising. So that is that is win-win right there. I, I, I love it. that The problem that we're trying to solve in this negotiation is our problem. It's not me against you. It's we're in this together to get to a solution that we can both live with. And to do that, you have to look at the problem from the other side's point of view as well. What do they need to get out of the deal? And if you understand that, then it doesn't it doesn't get all adversarial. Why are they being so difficult on this certain point? Maybe that's the most important thing to them. Maybe that's a hard point that they can't get around. The problem comes when both of you, when your hard points conflict. And, you know, I always look at it, the win-win thing, if you have two circles that this is my deal and that's your deal, at, at some point, if the circles intersect, the deal that you make together is the part where the two circles are, the, the part inside both circles. If your two circles never touch, then you're never going to get to a solution that works for both parties. But in most cases, there's there's some place where those circles touch. And uh, now I'm getting really big picture. But if the circles don't touch, then you have to change some things in, in the deal, either requirements or time or money or whatever to bring the circles into where they, they actually intersect. And this that, goes – That's a hard thing to describe. Well, it, it actually works because it, it talks to two things. One is context. Where the circle is is context, and we talk about this a lot. The idea of people don't understand the other side's context, right? And how do you fix that? Wait for it. Communication. Those two things, context and communication, are going to bring those circles closer together. And and the point that I that I get from from you know reading through her stuff, and it, which we all kind of know, but we have to execute this, is if we start with that, start with this idea of let me communicate what the problem I'm having is and the problem I have to solve, and does your circle overlap with mine? Because if it doesn't, let's find out now. <laughs> Instead yeah. of sitting down at a table and spending travel tickets, and oh, it's just how many times we've done that where you know you, you get into a negotiation that you're just like, wow, this this is never going to go anywhere. And it's because you didn't know. Where it's always it about lack of context. It's always about lack of understanding of what the other side needs to get out of the deal. Okay, let's talk about what negotiations are and what negotiations aren't, since we're talking big picture. And this is you could quibble about the definition of negotiations. But negotiations is a verb. I mean, it's it's not a noun, it's it's not a it's not a a thing that just happens now. It's a process, right? It's it's where we get from here to the place where we've negotiated. And so if we go to this idea of I'm going to come into this negotiation expecting to end in a different place than I started, that's what negotiation is. If you're not expecting to move off of your position in some way, then you're you're directing. You're not negotiating. It's already done. Right. <laughs> and and so that's that's what win lose negotiation feels like. Is if if you're if you didn't feel like you moved at all, you either won or you feel like you got screwed. <laughs> I mean that's how it comes down to, right? So negotiations, it's how we move the rock. It's how we move toward a solution. And if your rock is fixed, if if you're not planning on moving the rock at all then you're not really negotiating. You want to be set up to already expect to move the rock forward as a, toward this, a goal that we all can live with. There's a scene, if you've ever seen the movie Bad Santa, I like it, 
lots of people don't, but there's a scene where <laughs> Bernie Mac is negotiating how much of the loot is his share is going to be, and he wants half. And Billy Bob Thornton's on the other side of the negotiation, and the number just keeps going down. We'll give you 10%, 15%, 17%. It just keeps going, and Bernie Mac just keeps going half, 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 and then he ends up getting half. He had all the leverage there, but he was not negotiating. There's a difference. <laughs> That's a good point. And we, and we see that a lot, is that if, if, you're, if you're not expecting to move, then you're not really negotiating, right? And you can only get away with not really negotiating if you have all of the leverage, like Bernie Mac did in that particular scene, but also... In the commercial market, some companies have enough leverage and enough demand for their product that they don't have to negotiate. A, a prime example is Apple. No, no one negotiates on how much their next Mac costs. Yeah, you don't, you don't negotiate with Ferrari. <laughs> they tell you what the price is. And, and honestly, there are – I mean we, we pick on those examples. In the government market, there are, there, the sole source contract can be this setup where if you need it, and this is what it costs, and they can prove this is what it costs, which is a whole other discussion, then that's what the price is. Yeah. The government has to negotiate fair and reasonable. Ferrari or Tesla can just say, here's the price. And if you want one bad enough, it doesn't have to be fair or reasonable. It has to be, <laughs> I want that shiny new thing. And so negotiations, really, it's also about emotion. It's about being heard, yeah. and it's about listening. If you're not doing those three things, again, you're just directing. You're just coming in with your demand. You're, and, and that's, again, that's a, it's a viable strategy. It's just, it's really, really, really difficult to execute in the government market for those reasons you just laid out. Yeah. Negotiations can get very emotional, but I think if there is communication and if you have any kind of ear towards listening to what the other side is talking about and what their real needs are for the final solution, if you understand that, then it kind of helps keep the emotions away. All right, so we talked, we talked about what negotiations is. Let's talk about what negotiations is not or should not be. It's usually not as complicated as it seems. Again, especially if we communicate common goals. And I, I'm raising my hand here because as a contracting officer, the first few years that I was doing negotiations, I wasn't doing that. I wasn't pointing out this is, this is what I need. This is what my customer needs. This is the common goal. Or this is what I perceive to be the common goal, support the customer in this way, right? That conversation wasn't happening. Like that should be the first bullet <laughs> that we discuss when we sit down and negotiate. I had some really good mentors early on with negotiations. I had some r really structured, large negotiations that I was a part of, so I could see what kind of preparation was was required to actually be ready to sit down at the table. Which sitting down at the table might have become a lost art. But negotiation is not just about price. It sorry, very rarely is it only about price. It's there's lots of moving parts, but it all is in the context of price. Because in in the end, it's it's how much you're going to pay. But how much you're going to pay it, for what is the the key there? And there's a difference between negotiation and competition, because competition is all about a win. Competition, by definition, is win lose. Yeah. Negotiation, what we're talking through here is by definition win-win. And that's why it can be very difficult during a source selection to negotiate because you're, you're crossing the beams there, right? So let's, let's simplify things here and just think in terms of what we're talking about here is bigger than price. The, the negotiation is not just about price. And it's just there's a part of the FAR that actually specifies that the contracting officer's got to get the best price. I get that. But 
it's usually price and something else. Yeah. And so if price is the only factor, then just run an LPTA RFP and don't bother calling it negotiations because it's not negotiations if you're only talking about price. Right. At that point, you're, you better be dealing with commodities where there, there are n- no other knobs to turn other than price. But you really don't want to be just checking boxes here. That's the one thing. Negotiation is not about just checking boxes. Just because you did the weighted guidelines doesn't mean you actually had negotiations. Right. That gets back to the context piece of it there. Weighted guidelines give it give it's a framework for the government to use to determine what is a fair and reasonable profit for an effort. But it's not the only thing. It needs you need to have context around those profit negotiations. Before we wrap this up, let's talk about effective negotiations. This all depends on the complexity of what you're trying to negotiate, on the relationship of the parties, on the familiarity between the parties. But in most cases, negotiations are not effectively done through email. Maybe a (laughs) phone call is better. In very complex situations, maybe sitting down across the table from each other is a good way. And you don't have to sit at, sit down across the table from people. I mean, we all know that government funding for travel is, is limited, right? So, dude, there's Google Hangouts. There's Skype. They're free. Just right. sitting across the table from each other is maybe difficult to do, but at least get away from email because, man, I suck at context and email, <laughs> so I'm sure I really suck at it as a contracting yeah. officer. So, yeah. It's, it's tough. Let me give you two extremes of the situation you're just talking about. You mentioned the importance of context in negotiations. I have had emails from, you know, now that I'm on the industry side, I can point fingers at contracting officers. Well, maybe not, but I've had emails that have said the government offer is four. Do you accept? And uh, what? I, how did you get to four? We propose six. So I reply, can you give me some context? Can you give me the, the rationale for the reduction? And what I get back is the government reduced hours in blah, 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 and reduced the materials by this much. All right, so there's, there's another step. At least I know where the reductions are, but I still don't know why the government thought that those should be reduced. So there's no way for me to say, yes, I can agree with that. I can reduce it. I understand your point, government. So I go back again. Can you give me more details into how and why you reduce this. And and at this point, I get back a spreadsheet with reductions by WBS, which is, you know, hours across the work breakdown structure. So segregated into little packages of work, we reduced hours here, 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 and we reduced these materials because you didn't provide support for them. So now we're farther along because I have all of the reductions that I can compare to what I thought it would take to do the job. But I really don't have the context still for why those reductions were made, right? So we've gone through several stages, and we're still just throwing numbers back and forth. So now we've spent two or three weeks going back and forth, and we're still just talking about numbers without either side actually understanding the rationale behind the numbers that we're discussing. And and the the lesson that I wish I had learned sooner in my career is that I was really terrified of, of writing the wrong email. Because emails are forever, and you know they, they're they're saved forever, etc. Whereas, funny enough, phone calls aren't. <laughs> I mean, a phone, the phone call is is not going to be something that's that you're going to get hung by. 
um, it's the email that you send that, that you word things wrong or you don't have enough evidence or you don't yeah. it, just, it, it's documented, right? So it's counterintuitive that you think I, I was concerned about when I, when I talk to the contractor, he's going to have, he's going to read things into my, my words. Well, you know what? I'd rather he'd read it in my words. Cause then I can defend it on the phone than him going, Oh, well, what does four mean? And all of a sudden right. he's making up all kinds of, of, you know, nefarious things that I didn't intend it. So it just, again, raising my hand cause I did it wrong. Yeah. And, and don't, don't think for a second that I'm pointing fingers at this contracting officer or contracting specialist in the the random story I'm telling here. I don't expect a government contracts person, especially a junior one, to understand all the details about everything they're buying. That's why they rely on their technical experts. What happened in this situation was the contracting specialist probably didn't get any information from the tech folks to support their reductions. They probably wrote back, we should reduce it by this much here, here, and here, and here. Without saying why. So there's no way that the contracts person can pass that on to us. But that's where if we get everyone in the same room or on the same call or on Skype, if we get the technical people from both sides, we can short circuit this long, drawn-out process. We, we could have this done the first day instead of just an email of do you accept if it was, hey, let's get on the phone and talk this through because we have some differences of opinion. Could have been done right away. On the other extreme... For a major systems acquisition, I've spent weeks negotiating with an entire team on both sides. There's lots of phone calls back and forth. Then the government team flew to California from from the East Coast, and we spent more than a week in a conference room going back and forth. Then we took a break, and everyone reset their expectations. Then we got together again at a neutral site in Denver. (laughs) A neutral site? It was neutral. The The company that provided the, the CETA support for the government office that I was working for had an office there, and we carved out a conference room and some breakout rooms, and we spent another week negotiating there. But the entire team was involved in that process. We had all the technical folks, contracts folks, finance folks, everybody from both sides, and it took a long time to get to a deal. But it would have taken even longer if we hadn't crammed everyone together. And I'm not saying you have to do that. We actually had uh, travel funds. Like you said, it's, it's expensive to do that. But yeah. it's also expensive to take six months and not come to a deal. Which goes back to the whole idea we started with, which is you got to get to a deal. You're trying to move toward a new place, which is a deal. <laughs> Let's make a deal. That's the expectation of our customer from both sides is the contracts people will close a deal. We'll get this deal done. So if you're not prepared to move it all, you're not actually negotiating. If your first offer is your final and that's the only thing that you can do, you're not actually negotiating. And this is why it's so important for the whole acquisition team and the whole industry team to be backing up the whole story. Because I, I, as a contracts guy, I can't tell you why a Java programmer costs much, it costs so much and takes so long. But I need somebody to help me with that context. So the contracts person has to be able to get context. You got to go ask for it. You got to look for it. You got to look for that context to be able to move the rock. Otherwise, what you end up with is, oh, uh, the answer is four. And I say it's six. <laughs> and, it's four. and now you're wrestling. And yeah, uh, then all you have is, well, let's split the difference and go for five. And that doesn't yeah. that doesn't help anyone. And to give Mary Parker Follett credit, the whole idea of you want an integrated solution, not just a compromise. And splitting the difference is just a compromise. And with that, <laughs> I think we should wrap this one up. Yeah, this this was a great example of a really big topic we've got to cram in. So we'll, we'll have more on this. Uh, so, yeah, this was fun. 
All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, see you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. Thanks again to our sponsor, ProPricer. For more on negotiations, visit skywaydemo.com to set up a time to talk to Joe about how Skyway can help you know more, win more, and do more through effective negotiations. As always, if you have questions, comments, or complaints, or a topic for the podcast, send them to me at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.